Yes, welcome everyone to The Mystic Show. Wow, I'm happy to be here this morning. That's right, it's morning here in uh, northern New Jersey. And uh, we do the show every morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. That's uh, New York City time. And uh, we do the show for one hour on the Fractal Stream. That's right, that's our radio station where we broadcast from. And uh, it's great. The Fractal Stream's great. They, they, there's a lot of other shows. There are um, other live shows, other podcast shows that get replayed, and there's also a lot of good music. Just around the clock, 24-7, the Fractal Stream. So we're on every morning, and uh, we get replayed every night, too, at 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. And then every one of our episodes, I don't know if you knew this, it gets archived on our website. Uh, themysticshow.net themysticshow.net has all of our previous episodes and um, and our phone number and our Skype handle yes you can call us on the phone or Skype and uh, by the way today's November 26th this is um, Thanksgiving week actually and uh, but before I say that I just want to let you know that this show is all about spirituality and mindfulness and meditation, spiritual practice, and a lot about personal development as well, self-help. And I want to tell you what it's not. This show is not the morning news. We're not going to tell you how many people got murdered and the latest earthquake and the river floods and everything, you know, and and the reports that were issued and all this nonsense. We don't talk about that at all. If you want that, you know where to go and get that. Um, it's easy to get that because that's what the big media people are feeding everyone. Um, and it's fine. I don't think it's good or bad. Actually, I'm going to talk about neutrality, uh, a little bit later in the show if we have time, because we really have to get to the great Turkey problem today. I wanted to do it yesterday and I, I tweeted that we were going to talk about it yesterday, but we didn't. Uh, Because we got talking about other things. Uh, But today we're going to talk about the great turkey problem. And obviously it's Thanksgiving week. And uh, yesterday I expressed my thanks to some of my teachers and mentors along the way. And and actually I posted on Facebook for other people to share the same thing. And a lot of people were sharing. Some of their teachers, some of their friends. So I actually, I just tweeted and I posted on Facebook too. Um... On on Twitter, we are at The Mystic Show, so check us out on Twitter. We share a little bit, uh, some good stuff, so check it out. Um, we're going to jump right in here, because I know you're ready to go. Um, for those of you who are on live, um, definitely appreciate that you're listening live, and, and like I always say, if you want to call up and, and put in your two cents, please do. So the book we're re- reading from now is a great book, which I introduced yesterday uh, at length. Well, it wasn't that long, <laughs> but I formally introduced the author and her mentor and, you know, so this book was uh, released in 1921. It's called Your Invisible Power by Genevieve B. Rend, and uh it's about visualization, it's about manifestation, it's about learning about the own power that you possess. Uh, 
in your own self. And uh, like she said yesterday, your mind is a center through which all the power that there is, is in operation. And a lot of people have said that too. Like, you know, you always hear the saying that, you know, God made man in his image. And and therefore we think God has two arms and two legs and, and two ears and two eyes and one mouth. And, uh, well, the, the, the Hindus have gone way beyond that. They have, they have, uh, gods with like 12 arms and 12 legs and all this stuff. Um, but we're not in the image of God in a physical sense. But if you think about it intellectually, our mind power, our ability to create, to have thoughts, um, that that is a little spark or sample of God. That's one way to think about it anyway. Um, so in that way, we are created in the image of God, meaning our mind. If you think about it that way, I'm sure there's other uh, interpretations of that statement. That's probably a whole show right there we could talk about. So if you have any thoughts on that, you know, feel free to uh, give us a jingle. So the passage we're going to read today is called um, Order of Visualization. And uh, yeah, so this is, you know, we've all heard of visualization, right? You know, you got to write down your goals and visualize them and and uh you know the law of attraction and all this stuff it's good but and and it it is good and it does work and if you try it it'll work and you'll see um you know that's not the big secret of life by any stretch but it's good and uh but here in this book I th- we're going to go a little deeper um, I think she's going to take us a little bit deeper about visualization and the mind and order um because in my experience the more especially being from the United States, the more I understand like the details, um, the better I feel. Now that's probably because I'm a detail-oriented person. So I guess some people who, maybe they don't care about details, they wouldn't care. They would just have faith and that's it. So anyhow, let's, uh, let's get into this. It's called Order of Visualization. That's the name of the passage. Order of Visualization. And it's from the book... Your Invisible Power by Genevieve B. Rend. The exercise of the visualizing faculty keeps your mind in order and attracts to you the things you need to make life more enjoyable in an orderly way. If you train yourself in practice of deliberately picturing your desire and carefully examining it, you will soon find your thought and desires come and proceed in more orderly procession than ever before. Having reached a state of ordered mentality, you are no longer in a constant state of mental hurry. Hurry is fear, and consequently destructive. In other words, when your understanding grasps the power to visualize your heart's desire and hold it with your will, 
it attracts to you all things requisite to the fulfillment of that picture by the harmonious vibrations of the law of attraction. You realize that since order is heaven's first law and visualization places things in their natural element, then it must be a heavenly thing to visualize. Everyone visualizes, whether they know it or not. Visualizing is the great secret of success. The conscious use of this great power attracts to you greatly multiplied resources, intensifies your wisdom, and enables you to make use of advantages which you formerly failed to recognize. We now fly through the air, not because anyone has been able to change the laws of nature, but because the inventor of the flying machine learned how to apply nature's laws and, by making orderly use of them, produced the desired result. So far as natural forces are concerned, nothing has changed since the beginning. There were no airplanes in the year one because those of that generation could not conceive the idea as a practical working possibility. It has not yet been done, was the argument, and it cannot be done. Yet the laws and materials for practical flying machines existed then as now. Troward tells us that the great lesson he learned from the airplane and wireless telegraphy is the triumph of principle over precedent and the working of an idea to its logical conclusion in spite of accumulated testimony of all past experience. With such an example before you, can you not realize that still greater secrets may be disclosed? Also, that you hold the key within yourself with which to unlock the secret chamber that contains your heart's desire? All that is necessary in order that you may use this key and make your life exactly what you wish it to be is a careful inquiry into the unseen causes which stand back of every external and visible condition. Then bring these unseen causes into harmony with your conception, and you will find that you can make practical working realities of possibilities, which at present seem but fantastic dreams. We all know that the balloon was the forefather of the airplane. In 1766, 
Henry Cavendish, an English nobleman, proved that hydrogen gas was seven times lighter than atmospheric air. From that discovery, the balloon came into existence. And from the ordinary balloon, the dirigible, a cigar-shaped airship, was evolved. Study of aeronautics and the laws of aerial locomotion of birds and projectiles led to the belief that mechanism could be evolved by which heavier-than-air machines could be made to travel from place to place and remain in the air by the maintenance of great speed, which would overcome by propulsive force the ordinary law of gravitation. Professor Langley of Washington, who developed much of the theory which others afterward improved, was subjected to much derision when he sent a model airplane up only to have it bury its nose in the muddy waters of the Potomac. But the Wright brothers, who experimented in the latter part of the 19th century, realized the possibility of traveling through the air in a machine that had no gas bag. They saw themselves enjoying this mode of transportation with great facility. It is said that one of the brothers would tell the other, when their varied experiments did not turn out as they expected, It's all right, brother. I can see myself riding in that machine, and it travels easily and steadily. Those Wright brothers knew what they wanted and kept their pictures constantly before them. In visualizing or making a mental picture, you are not endeavoring to change the laws of nature. You are fulfilling them. Your object in visualizing is to bring things into regular order both mentally and physically. When you realize that this method of employing the creative power brings your desires, one after another, into practical material accomplishment, your confidence in the mysterious but unfailing law of attraction, which has its central power station in the very heart of your word and picture becomes supreme. Nothing can shake it. You never feel that it is necessary to take anything from anybody else. You have learned that asking and seeking have receiving and finding as their correlatives. You know that all you have to do is to start the plastic substance of the universe flowing into the thought, molds your picture, desire provides. And that's it for that passage, so we'll just take a quick break.
Okay, thanks to uh, Anya for the musical interlude. Again, a song which name I can't pronounce, <laughs> but thanks to Anya. And welcome back to The Mystic Show. This is where we talk about uh, spirituality, personal development, self-help. In fact, I was just having a conversation yesterday about uh, another book about near-death experiences written by a neurosurgeon, I guess. We're going to have to find out about that and talk about that. But uh, our website, I don't know if you've been there yet, themysticshow.net. We have all our archived shows there. We also have our phone number and our Skype handle. You can call us live. We do the show live every morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. And it's also podcast uh, through iTunes and Stitcher. So you can, if you're on either of those platforms, which are, they're both very cool, you can, uh, you can hear the podcast that way every single episode. All right, so we just read this uh, passage here called Order, what was it called? Order of Visualization, right? So it was a pretty simple one, but really great, you know? Visualizing is the great secret of success, you know? And basically, we're, we're using a power that we're already using. <laughs> we're just using it in, uh, in the wrong way or in a way that's not... Um, very effective you know it might be mildly effective but um anyway it's a power that we have it's like a muscle you know that's how that's how we always describe the the mental muscles and and this one we're talking about here visualization is the muscle of imagination it's like a muscle the more you use it the stronger it gets and of course you have to be regulating your mind as well i mean you can't just be thinking fanciful dreams all day long you'll be you know wandering the streets like a crazy person the the white coats will come and t- take you away but um you know if we learn how to use our mind and regulate our mind that this imagination and visualization is it's just it's probably the most powerful tool we have in our in, in our toolbox if you want to think of it that way Right, and she says you're giving order to your thoughts. So when you think about that, it's like there's all this power out there in the universe. There's all this power and possibility, and our mind is actually the thing that can make sense out of all that chaos. We can focus it down to something very clear and orderly. And when we do that, that's when the universe responds and basically manifests what we desire. And again, just if you missed it yesterday, this book is talking a lot about visualization and manifestation, and it's talking a lot about uh, your desires and money and you know material objects and everything. But as we read yesterday in the forward, it applies to physical objects and money, but it also applies to emotional goals and spiritual goals and uh and plus it leads to a whole lot of self-awareness and and here's the other part i think is this is like the important part of this section for me in my opinion um um because he 
talks she talks a lot about uh, the Wright brothers, you know, and flying. Obviously, the book was written was published in 1921, so obviously she's using examples from way back then. Uh, but check this out: Troward tells us, and uh, Troward is the the man she was studying with for years. Uh, Troward tells us that the great lesson he learned from the airplane and wireless telegraphy is the triumph of principle over precedent. Principle over precedent. And to me, very simply, that means that just because we haven't achieved it yet doesn't mean we will not achieve it. Just because no one started a company doing XYZ doesn't mean that you can't. And and why why is this so powerful? Because that's how most people live their lives. They say, well, I, I didn't go to college, so I can't get a good job. I mean, we're basing everything on precedent. And that's actually completely illogical. Oh, we haven't built a flying machine yet, so that's it. We can't do it. It's not possible. We haven't done it yet. I mean, that it's totally ridiculous <laughs> to think that way. I mean, that'd be the same as, as you when you were a baby. You said, oh, when you were crawling on the floor, well, I haven't walked yet, so I'm not going to walk. It's not possible for me to walk because I haven't done it yet. And these sound like silly examples, but that's actually what we do in our minds, most of us, in our lives. You want to make these changes. You want to experience different things. You want to travel different places. You know, oh, I can't. I, I've never taken a vacation longer than seven days. I, I could never go to anywhere for three weeks. Well, okay. If, if you want to believe in precedent, go ahead. But he's talking about the triumph of principle over precedent, which means precedent when it comes to achievement in our own lives is, is not worth anything. Who cares? Who cares what you've done, really? I mean, in terms of what you can achieve from here on, right? It almost doesn't matter what you've done. It Well, I should say it this way. Whatever you've done doesn't have to affect what you're going to do. It doesn't have to help you or hinder you or anything. It, you don't have to let it affect it. So I love that. The triumph of principle over precedent. Because, as we're going to talk about, I'm going to get into the great turkey problem in a, in a minute or two. And, and it's so funny how I choose different topics to talk about on the show, and they always seem to relate to each other. Wow. See? Isn't that cool? So I love this idea of principle over precedent because... I want to, you know, we look around in the world and it's such a mess and people are so anxious and nervous and sick and we're operating within a system that is seriously, uh, I want to say damaged, but flawed and anyway, uh, malfunctioning. And we, when you bring up the idea of changing anything, anything significant, Everyone just starts yelling and screaming, no, you can't change that, you can't change that. I mean, the best example is, um, is, uh, and I know I'm bringing this up way too early, 
but the whole constitution of the United States, which which our country, the United States, we always lean on that. We say that's that's you know we can never change that. And well, we're gonna see. The future's gonna see. It'll change. But you know, again, we're going by precedent, which it may serve us now. It might be okay for now. But there's going to come a time when even something that we think is so sacred is going to have to change. Because we need to go somewhere new and better. So in your personal life, whatever you've been up till now is okay. But where you're going should be somewhere new and better. The new and improved version of yourself. And to do that, to go there, you can't think of the past it just it doesn't it's irrelevant actually so anyway that's that's why you know these that's why the Wright brothers are so inspiring look what they did they did something no one thought they could do there was people back then making statements like well no we'll never man will never fly in the air ever it's like oh really I mean, look, even in the modern day, Bill Gates once said that, oh, no one will ever need more than uh, eight megabytes of memory in a computer (laughs) or something, which is, I mean, he's a great guy, brilliant guy, but that statement is completely (laughs) crazy because now there's more, I think, uh, I think in the smallest, wimpiest phone around, there's more than eight megabytes of memory or something. I don't know, but you get the point. We've blown past that. So, so yeah, the Wright brothers, visualizing, making the mental picture. We're going to get a lot more into this visualizing. This is just, I mean, literally this is the first passage of the whole book. So we're just, we're just getting into this. Um, to me, it's fascinating. Again, it's one of our most powerful tools. And if we learn how to use it, it really, it really works. And you could probably pretty much shock yourself or stun yourself of uh of what you can achieve so um all right let's talk about the great turkey problem but i just want to take a quick break first Thank you to the Indigo Girls. It's sometimes I don't want to interrupt these songs, you know. They're so nice, and I just want them to keep going. But uh, that's the Indigo Girls with um, 
Welcome Me. That's the name of that one. Um, yeah, so welcome back to The Mystic Show. This is the show where I, Chris Curran, hang around every morning and broadcast live at 7 a.m. talking about spirituality and mindfulness and um, personal development, spirituality. I said that already. Uh, I meant to say <laughs> meditation. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, go to themysticshow.net. The you can get all the details, all the past shows, all the phone numbers and everything. Themysticshow.net. So let's get into the great turkey problem because I've been teasing this for a day and a half now. So the um, the great turkey problem is from a book called. And by the way, this is not entirely because it's uh, Thanksgiving week, although it helps, right? Everyone has turkey on the brain. But there's a book called Anti Fragile that I read. Um, I don't even know, maybe six months ago. Let's say. I think it's a new book from 2013, or is it from 2012? I don't know. But it's either from 2012 or 2013, and I'm trying to find out. But it's a it's a good book. The, the author is Nassim Nicholas Taleb, and he wrote a book called The Black Swan, which was uh, it's about the stock market and anomalies and catastrophic events in the stock market and, you know, um, all the all the randomness and the uh, probabilities behind that. He kind of gets scientific. He's a very intellectual guy. Anyhow, he wrote this new book called Anti-Fragile, and I really liked it. He gets into philosophy, he gets into science, and the whole concept is, I mean, okay, the word anti-fragile. Have you ever heard that before? No. You've heard the word fragile, right? So he was studying civilizations and systems, right? Like the stock market and human human life on earth, right? Civilizations. And he was seeing that sometimes civilizations act certain ways and they become fragile. Fragile meaning that the slightest change in the in the the um the slightest change in the, the the way the earth is the weather or the food or the you know the natural resources are the slightest change in that can actually wipe out a whole civilization because they've become so fragile so what he does is he defines how you become fragile you know think about a think about a teacup that's made of uh, let's say porcelain I mean, if you drop it off the table, it's going to shatter, right? And break all over the ground. And you have to just throw it away. But take a rubber teacup. You can drop a rubber teacup off the table and it it just bounces. So one is fragile, right? And the fragile one, when, when there's a shock, it breaks. It shatters and it's gone. The other one is not fragile. So it can absorb a shock. It can take a shock and still be pretty much fine. So there, he was looking for a word that's the antonym of fragile, and there there really doesn't exist a good word. So he made one up. He said anti-fragile. So in that example, the rubber cup would be anti-fragile. Actually, no, the rubber cup would be neutral because he defines anti-fragile as being 
when there's a shock, the 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 civilization or the system actually gets stronger instead of breaking down and dying. It'll get stronger. And I think the best example of something that's anti-fragile is our own human bodies. Think about it. You go to the gym, you lift a bunch of weights, and you really shock your body, right? And you you really do tear your muscles, and you you really it's it's quite shocking to your system when you lift weights, let's say, like that. But what happens? What happens is your body says, "All right, well, we just." got a shock to our system. Now we have to fix it and clean it up and strengthen ourselves. So your body will actually heal what you've done to it and make it a bit stronger. So next time it can handle more, more shock or more stress, let's say. So the more you lift weights, you're actually breaking down your muscles, but your body regenerates those muscles, makes them even stronger. So that's anti-fragile because you're you're providing stress and shock to your muscles and they're but they're getting stronger. Something that's fragile, you would apply shock and stress, it would just break and and die. <laughs> It'd be done. So our bodies are opposite. So that's what he calls anti-fragile. Anyway, I just thought I should explain what anti-fragile means. I think in our lives we see people who if you shock them or you give them some bad news or something, they just go into a depression, they go into a downward spiral, and they, they're lost, right? They're finished. Other people, you give them a little shock or a little stress, and they really perk up and they say, you know what? I'm going to overcome this. Gosh darn it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to handle this. And, and they get all energized, and they actually end up improving the situation. So one one person could be considered fragile. The other person could be considered anti-fragile. Most of us are just neutral because there, there is, he does say that there are things, a lot of things that are kind of neutral. They're not one or the other. But let's talk about the turkey problem because, um, so it's around Thanksgiving, right? And I think I'm just going to read these. It's two short paragraphs. I'm just going to read it. Um. Yeah, and there's a nice picture in the book here. But anyway, a turkey is fed for a thousand days by a butcher. Every day confirms to its staff of analysts that butchers love turkeys with increased statistical confidence. Right? So he's saying that the butcher is feeding the turkey for a thousand days. And the turkey is turning around to his analysts and his buddies and saying, look, the butcher loves us. He's been feeding us for a thousand days. All he's ever done is feed us. He loves us. Okay. The butcher will keep feeding the turkey until a few days before Thanksgiving. Then comes that day when it is really not a very good idea to be a turkey. So with the butcher surprising it, the turkey will have a revision of belief. Right when its confidence in the statement that the butcher loves turkeys is maximal, and it is very quiet and soothingly predictable in the life of the turkey. So, right? Everything's been going well for the turkey. Everything's been going fine. The butcher loves me. Everything's fine. Everything's smooth. It's all quiet. 
But a couple days before Thanksgiving, everything changes, right? His belief, the turkey's belief is going to have to change. Um, so we can we can also, and, and I'm going to explain the what I feel the point of this is, but we can also see from the turkey story the mother of all harmful mistakes, mistaking absence of evidence of harm for evidence of absence. And this that's this is the that's the whole point of this whole story, mistaking absence of evidence for evidence of absence. So and 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 look this you you know where I'm going with this. This applies to us humans individually and as a society that when things are going things seem to be going well, and we think everything's fine, but really everything might not be fine. <laughs> and we look at the past and we say, look, everything's fine. For instance, let's just say a, a nuclear war, right? We look in the past, we say, look, there's ne- there's never been a nuclear war. This is great. No, There's never going to be a nuclear war. And we can all bury our heads in the sand and say, look, we're everything is going to be fine. No problems with nuclear war. And we can all, it's very quiet, right? You don't hear anything about it. But if we were to look deeper into what's really going on, we would see, maybe we would see that it's a possibility. It's a possible big problem. And I know people are talking about it now with Iran and stuff like that. But um, but there's other things too, like your health. I mean, look look how many years we go. We we don't go see a doctor. We don't we don't work out. Of course, when we're younger, it's easier. But you know, if you don't work out, you don't do anything, and you feel fine. Well, one day, some you might just get smacked down with with a with a fever or a, or a virus or a sickness or something, and um, your belief changes. You know, then you go to a doctor, and he says, "Well, you got to do this," and you. Don't do that and all this stuff. So um, when we look at situations, and, and and this applies in the positive as well, when we look at situations and we don't see anything, it, it does not mean that there's nothing there. <laughs> so think about it in the positive sense, right? I mentioned with um, the Pause Your Life meetup group that we're going to have a vision board creation seminar workshop on uh, December 28th here in Northern New Jersey. And you can go on meetup and find it. It's the pause your life meetup. And, um, you can set your goals. You can read your affirmations, right? You can make a vision board and look at it every day. Let's say in January. So let's say in 2014 in January, you're reading your goals. You're looking at your vision board every day. But you look in your life and you don't see any difference. You know, it's January 31st, let's say, and there's no difference. I mean, you might say, look, I've been doing this for a month. And nothing. I didn't get anything. Well, does that mean that you really did not accomplish anything? No, of course not. It takes time for these things to unfold. So, in a way... The, this this turkey problem, the great turkey problem, is really telling us that we have to be aware 
that there's long-term effects to what we're doing. And there's, you know, there's certain cycles of cause and effect, which are so long that we don't always see them, you know? Like even when you start working out, when you go to the gym, probably for the first month or for the first week or two, you don't see any results. And you could say, well, I've been going to the gym. I don't see any results. Well, it's coming, you know? So I thought that's a funny story with the turkey, right? The turkey just thinks everything's fine. And then one day, boom. And, you know, as a society, as a planet, that may happen to us, right? We think everything's fine. Nothing could possibly happen. And maybe it won't. But to just to just sort of bury our head in the sand and think that everything's going to be fine is um might not be reality. It just might not be reality. So um so this is a great book. We're going to talk we'll talk a little bit more about the anti-fragile book in future shows. Um like I said, it gets a little bit intellectual, but it's it's good concepts and it's good, you know, it brings us a little more awareness about our own our own lives. Because the more we sort of reflect on ourselves, the more we learn about ourselves, um, the more powerful we become. So let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. See, here's another musical piece. I just want to let it keep going. It's really nice. That's uh, It's called China Gates. It's by John Adams, the composer. And it's a beautiful piano piece, totally artistic in a way that it's, it, I don't know, the rhythm, it's so, it, it's not your regular pop song, as you can hear. So anyhow, really nice stuff. Almost makes it feel like it's raining or something. Which, by the way, I think it's going to start raining here in, in Jersey. We might get a nice little winter storm here, which is going to impact my golfing on Friday. You know, doesn't doesn't God know that the, the fat tournament is the Friday after Thanksgiving every year? <laughs> he missed the memo, maybe. I don't know. Most years it's pretty good, but this year it should be fine, too. It might be a little cold. But hey, you dress warm, no problem. So this is The Mystic Show. I'm Chris Curran. And uh, yeah, so The Great Turkey Problem. What'd you think of that? Are you being a turkey in your life? All right. Well, 
I want to switch now to our other book, uh, 365 Dow. Because it's the uh, the passage here ties into what we've been talking about this morning. And the and so the passage it's actually for today, uh, November twenty sixth in the northern hemisphere, and it's called uh, yeah it's from three sixty five Dow that's the name of the book and the passage is called Sense uh, S E N S E Sense and uh, yep I'll just read it here. Don't be destroyed by knowledge and power. Use common sense to survive. There were once four learned and accomplished men. One day they said to themselves, Of what use is all our learning if we do not seek the employment of a great king? Accordingly, they set out for the capital. Now, among these four, three were particularly brilliant. The fourth was far inferior to the others in intellect, but he was the one with the most sense. On the road, they came upon the skeleton of a lion. Let us bring this lion back to life, proposed the first. Yes, this will bring us great fame agreed the second and third. The fourth one said, If you bring this lion back to life, he will attack and devour you. Don't interrupt, cried the first, who had already used his superior knowledge to put flesh on the bones. The second quickly introduced blood, and the third was about to breathe life into the lion. We should think of safety, said the fourth. Quiet, said the third from the depths of his labor. Well then, I shall go sit in this tree, said the fourth, just in case. The lion came back to life and killed the wise men. The only one who survived was the man with common sense. Yeah, that's the end of the passage called Sense from uh, 365 Dow. <laughs> right? This is the story of life in America. We get so drunk with our knowledge and power, we just do stupid things and we <laughs> and we suffer the consequences. Um, right? That's why he says, he says, don't be destroyed by knowledge and power. It's very difficult. I mean, life, we think of life today as so far advanced, right? We have, you know, electricity and cars and, and you know, nuclear power plants and we're in space and we have all this science, we have quantum physics, we have all the biomedical industry and breakthroughs and, you know, all the different machinery when you go, when you go into the doctor or the hospital all the different amazing things they can test you with and everything. And um, 
And you know, at times, common sense gets lost, right? And like the story illustrates, you know, common sense is probably the most important. And of course, the old saying that common sense is really uncommon uh, is probably true. And that's one... That's one reason, I mean, that's one of the biggest benefits of being on a spiritual path, of being involved in a spiritual practice, as long as it moves you towards simplicity. Because if you move towards simplicity, you're moving towards common sense, and you're moving away from all the potential problems. So if your spiritual practice is is confusing things and making things more complex and everything, then be careful. It should move us towards simplicity and just simple common sense. You know, one of the modern uh, inventions that is really changing things, I mean, in, in a way that is, we, we don't even comprehend it right now. Again, it's the turkey problem. We think everything's fine. But it, it's the smartphone. The smartphone has introduced so many new possibilities and it has also, by way of those possibilities, introduced so so much um, possibility for us to get in trouble or to use it the wrong way. You know, one thing we see now is um, in restaurants, you see younger people, even middle-aged people, even older people, I guess it doesn't really matter the age. It's mostly younger kids, though. They'll be sitting around a table at a restaurant, four or five young people, and they they won't even be talking to each other. They'll all be using their smartphones. They're just all looking at their phone, and they just sit there looking at the phone, and they just sit there. <laughs> um, you know, is that bad in itself? No, but... Look, just look at the impact it might be having. You know, now we're so reliant on technology. For instance, the GPS. Everyone has a GPS now, almost. And if you, you know, invite somebody somewhere, like if I invite people to my studio, I just give them the address. I just take for granted that they're going to use their GPS. But... It's very rare these days. Maybe it's not so rare, but it's kind of rare that people actually look at a map, write down their own directions, and follow their directions. I mean, who does that? <laughs> so anyway, these a lot of these modern inventions are making our um, some of our innate powers um, weaker. We're becoming weaker in certain areas because we have the technology to support us. And in the short term, it feels great, right? Doesn't it feel good to have a smartphone? You can get the weather, you can get the this, the traffic, the everything. You can see your website. You can see who won the chess match. Oh, sorry, dear. <laughs> My wife's upset about the <laughs> the recent chess match. Oops. Um, yeah, so we have all this power and information at our fingertips, but yet, in a way, it's making us weaker because we're relying on the on the technology, just like a calculator. 
I mean, yeah, for, for large calculations, you do need a calculator. But even for small calculations, you know, the multiplication tables, or even just money, subtraction at a store, you know, I was, I was happily surprised when the girl at the bagel shop, something was wrong with the register, and uh, I think it came to one... 139 and I gave her a $20 bill and she just didn't even blink. She said, and I was, I was about to tell her what the change should be because I'm, I'm really good at math. I just, I can do math in my head like easily. And I was going to be, yeah, so that's 18. And she said, yeah, 1861. I got it. And I was like, wow, cool. She did the math in her head, you know? Now, is everyone good at math? No, but that's, you get the point that these the technology can actually make us um, weaker. And in this passage I just read, look, they brought this lion back to life and it killed him. And if you even liken that to nuclear, the, the technology of nuclear bombs, look, it's going to be, you know, if that ends up being our demise, then it's the same story as this story we created something and then it killed us now how what's the common sense in that so anyhow so getting all global and nuclear and all this and and political obviously that's not the the point of the whole show the point of the show is to make us think and think about these things in terms of yourself you know are there if you take a higher view of yourself, look 10 years down the road, look 20 years down the road, um, see where things might be leading you, you know, get it, try to get a bigger perspective on your life. And maybe you can foresee some things and make changes now. I mean, let's face it. Most people need to make some significant changes right now, but they won't. They just won't. Most people don't make significant changes until there's a tragedy. And even then, not always. So we don't, the whole thing is we don't have to wait for the tragedy. And, um, and, and we can live our lives a little more mindfully, right? So one of the things this whole show is about, being mindful. So, any, um, I've been waiting for you guys to call. I didn't, I, this phone didn't ring, but um, that's okay. I still think this was a great show. Thank you for listening. Um, go to our website, themysticshow.net. You can see all the past shows. Um, I hope some of these concepts were somehow uh, provocative to your thinking in a way. Maybe you can tell somebody about the turkey problem. And actually, today's Tuesday, so these poor turkeys, man. Is, is today their day? <laughs> they got two more days. Anyway, that's a whole nother topic. Killing life to eat it. When there's all this other stuff we could eat. Anyway, that's deeper. We'll talk about that, though. You're going to have to give me your thoughts on that one, though. Because I can't talk for an hour about that by myself. So as you move through your day, stay neutral, 
I think that's my new tagline. Stay neutral. (laughs) And uh, keep a good vibration. And you know what? Smile at some folks. Make an impression on them. And as always, keep shining. Keep shining.